This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Damsels Who Discuss. I'm Gally, and I'm here with Alexia. I'm here. (laughs) Over here. (laughs) I do exist. How goes? You know, it goes pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually excited for the Disney movies that we're watching. Same. These are, I think I've mentioned it a hundred times before, but it's like we're finally into the era of movies that are kind of nostalgic and exciting. Yeah, we are kicking off what is (laughs) officially known as the Disney Renaissance. Boop, boop. Yeah. And uh, we also are kicking off um, the time when Alexia and I actually like existed. Yeah. In this world. <laughs> uh, we're almost to the point where I've been born when the movies initially came out. We're not there yet. I think that that honor goes to Little Mermaid, which came out in 1989 when um, I was born in 1989. Well, this one is mine because I was born in 1986. And that is, what movie is this? This is The Great Mouse Detective that we're watching. I love this movie. It was always one of my favorites and still is now. Yeah, you know, that's, um, do we want to do the summary first or do we want to get into our relationship with it first? I can do the summary quick and then we can get into it. I did my my two-parters, but again, because I love this movie so much, it's getting a little hard to snark on it in the summary. That's going to come in the film. I would also like to apologize once again. Austin's allergies are just the worst um, here. The Great Mouse Detective is the beloved animated classic from 1986 that introduces us to Basil of Baker Street and his dear Dawson, who embark on a quest to rescue the toy maker Flavisham and his daughter Olivia, who have been kidnapped by the evil Professor Rattigan. Radigan uses a toy maker to try and take over England before ultimately being thwarted by the ragtag group of mice. It's a two-parter summary, two-sentence summary. Um, and the other one is, The Great Mouse Detective is one of the best Disney movies ever. It's hilarious, full of great performances, and some super fun songs. It isn't 188 years too long either. <laughs> the movie is about Major David Q. Dawson, who seems to have a knack for showing up at the right time. He finds the temporarily orphaned Olivia and brings her to famous detective Basil of Baker Street, a mouse with a penchant for drama, in an attempt to find her father and reunite the daddy-daughter duo. They learn that her dad, who can make physics-defying toys, was kidnapped by Professor Radigan's faithful henchman, Fidget, a barely understandable bat with a pegged leg and a broken wing. Because they're a pair of mice, Dawson and Basil promptly also lose Olivia to Fidget and now have to rescue them both. They're caught up in a plan that is made entirely of a Rube Goldberg machine concocted out of drama, Vincent Price's discarded scenery, and a catchy tune. Using physics and various math mumblings, Basil gets them out of trouble at the last second and rushes them to the palace just in time to expose the creepiest animatronic ever to be displayed to a sentient audience. A madcap chase ensues through Big Ben, where Rattigan tries to kill them all but ends up falling to his death while the main characters all end up getting to go home happy and healthy to live their own lives. That that was the great mouse detective. Twas. It was not Sherlock Holmes, the minuscule version. No. But it, it, should it, it, <laughs> it should have been. It is, and it isn't. 
<laughs> it's based very much on Sherlock Holmes, but Sherlock Holmes himself makes like a weird little shadow cameo appearance with Watson. So it's like, it's not actually them because they're there as themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And really, this is more, this is more about um, uh, the actors behind Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Like these are parodies of Basil yes. Rathbone. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Well, so yeah. What was your experience with this movie as a kid? So I really, really loved this one as a kid. I'm actually looking to see if there is a reason that it was like, if it was re-released or something. It, um, it was. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, 1992. It was a, okay. Well, that would explain how it came into my zeitgeist because it was then put out on V. Well, because it came out on VHS then. So it was probably something my parents got me when I was young. I just sort of always remember having this movie around and liking it. There was never a time period that I didn't. It was always really, really fun. It's pretty short too. So you don't have to sit there for a really long time. And I personally don't think there's a ton of like weird, stupid filler in this one either. So I, even as a kid, I thought it was really funny and I really liked it. You know, I really enjoyed this movie as a kid, too. I um, think that the when I'm looking back on it, I realized just how campy this movie is. And I think that yes. that's what really drew me to it, because it like you said, it's 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 hilarious. Uh, Vincent Price is this overgrown rat who gets offended when you get when he gets called a rat is just the type of humor that's right up my alley. Um, oh, man. It's historical ish uh it was just like all the things that just kind of attracted me as a kid Mm -hmm. there's also a really chonky cat in it which there is which i don't like this cat but that's because she's the evil cat she is an evil cat but i completely forgot that she was in this movie but there's also that which probably makes it make sense so fair enough i I do the one thing that i don't remember is having any toys related to the great mouse detective no this seems to have been a not very um commercialized film yeah at least not that we recall no that that's fair they could have also been way more um like toys in the 80s when it originally came out yeah but that that's the thing like I did see, read here that Basil and Radigan were both meet and greet characters until 2004 at the Disney parks. That's where it makes sense for them to be mascots. Yes. And I'm sure that you could get the the little um, plushies of them. But yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't as... <laughs> Maybe we just don't remember it being as commercially viable as things like the little mermaid which really really kicked off some uh um material goods for disney that's entirely possible honestly they may also not have segued quite yet into commercializing their movies because as you said that really start kicks off with little mermaid and i remember you know how many toys there were around aladdin when that came up so that yeah. may not have started until literally just three years later yeah, actually, this is really funny. I'm looking at our, our list of movies, and we're talking about The Great Mouse Detective. Spoiler alert, next week is going to be Oliver and Company. And then after that Another is going to be Another movie that Mermaid. I don't remember there being a ton of toys for. Exactly. That's what I was going to get at. Like, and then we get to Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas, all of these movies that are just 
Oh my God. Toys, talking, toys, 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 toys. I remember like a Beauty and the Beast talking mirror. I didn't own it, but I remember that being a thing. And I think there was like a Rescue Was Done Under Adventure set. I had some sort of like jeweled dagger Aladdin toy that came with the genie lamp. I remember a bunch of this stuff. Yeah, I had a Rescuers Down Under toy that I got from McDonald's. And Excellent. I am now wondering if that's what our key is. Because I think there were also McDonald's toys with the Little Mermaid. Mm, maybe. Hmm. McDonald's historians out there. This is not our podcast know. forte. Tell us, when did McDonald's and Disney start releasing their toys? Super commercialized yeah. Disney toy links. Huh. I forgot i'm getting right into the movie now um (laughs) oh no you is what's your history with the movie did you tell me yes yeah (laughs) my history was that i loved it i just yes uh, that's right it had a lot of elements and you were talking about a chonky cat sorry my brain is just working on seven percent no it's okay Um, let's go let's go to the opposite of of commercialism and let's go back to victorian london 1897 (laughs) i forgot about this little prologue where fidget kidnapped her dad for some reason i remember the movie starting with the theme oh because i'm i so i don't have a great memory apparently i remember i remember this prologue um because i distinctly remember being entranced by the concept of that this toy. little toy yeah the musical I... ballet dancer that turns from a pedal into a full-on dance doll so yeah. i for some reason thought that that happened right after the theme song i thought that the theme song and credits happened after that and the reason i thought that i mean before that is because in my mind even now i wrote down it's a super weird tone change because you start with you know this little girl getting this physics gravity <laughs> cloth wood defying toy like yeah. Ali was describing, it looks like the dad places a giant rosebud on the table. Then he cranks a little thing, and it turns out that those are the petals of a ballerina skirt that's somehow hiding inside this petal. And she's fully articulated and a graceful dancer with impeccable balance. Yeah. And an internal music box. Yeah. The man is a wizard. <clears throat> a literal wizard. And then... And then a man bat breaks in. Immediate tone shift <laughs> to, yeah, a man bat breaking in who has a, we find out, peg leg and a broken wing. And he is just like, I'm here to get ya. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Well, his the the guy who um, does Fidget's voice is mm-hmm. Candy Candido. who Which is a named, great name, by the way. It is a great name. Uh, you may also him remember him as voicing uh, the Indian chief from Peter mm-hmm. Pan. He was also the um, deep voice prisoner in the Haunted Mansion attraction for yeah. the Disney nerds out there. But yeah, he kidnaps the toy maker and Olivia, who is hiding in a cabinet once once they're gone, comes out and it's like, and you hear her voice echoing in a quiet, silent street. And then there's a beat of silence, and then dun 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 dun. You're like, whoa! Hang on. Yeah, and then we're into this is excitement. I do love that intro, and I really distinctly remember it. Like I remembered it before I rewatched this movie. 
I I had um, a moment when watching this where I thought this just feels like a modern Disney animation. There's a lot of moments in this that do not feel like it comes from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some uh, CG. Yes. In in this movie, you know, they had used, um, <laughs> they established their CG animation with the previous film uh, with Black Cauldron. And they're starting to uh, develop it further with the Great Mouse Detective, but they don't really use it as much until we get into the clock scenes. I was about to say that's the time I think that it becomes really obvious, especially the gears and the clock. Yeah. And then the next movie is when they actually develop a full CG animation department. Oh, interesting. So we're kind of looking at this, this neat little middle ground. Uh, in their CG evolution. This is right after this is where we meet um, David Q. Dawson. And I looked up the actor. His name is Val Betton. And I think it's hilarious that Val Betton is an American actor who is specifically known for using a British accent. Because he also plays um, the Sultan in the Aladdin movies. Oh! And I yeah, it says here... That. Valentine John Benton was an American actor known for using an English accent in all of his roles. I love that because that's that's so typically opposite of what we're used to, which is all you of know, these right? British actors playing us Americans. Yeah, and this goes the other direction. Ooh, also, looking on his wiki page reminded me of something that I keep thinking might have been a thing that doesn't exist. Because <laughs> okay. I didn't well, I didn't have the Disney Channel growing up. So there was a lot of TV shows and stuff that I missed. And I keep forgetting and remembering this show that I never watched, but somehow no part of the theme too, called Pepper Ann. Oh my God. No, that The theme song just immediately came back to it's, me. It's one of the most annoying theme songs in the on the planet. I watched Pepper Ann every Saturday morning and I hated the theme song and it's I still terrible. hate the theme song. I all I I didn't watch it, but I just remember there's a thing where this person in a horrifying voice like she's like one in a million. Yeah, that's what like, it is. Someone it's the whiny paid voice. you for this? Pepper and pepper and oh god, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not good. But what does this um, have to do with him? He was in it. Uh, he was in an episode of Pepper Ann in 1997, uh, the role of Sanford I. Paper in the episode The Big Pencil slash Santa Paper. Yeah, I was just scrolling uh, through and I was like, I get because I didn't have the Disney Channel. I was like, I keep thinking that Pepper Ann's a thing that I made up in a weird fever fucking dream, but it turns out it's real and he was in it. Yeah, it was definitely real. Yep. So anyway, back to this man who's not actually British. <laughs> who's putting... <laughs> the most british person in the film he's so he's so perfectly watson slash dawson he is and i also want to he's just so nice he is he has a he has a pleasant little mouse a pleasant plump little mouse yes he sees you know a tiny little little mouse and little mousy in distress and goes over and gives him gives her his his uh clean handkerchief and says i will i will personally escort you in this pouring fucking rain to a stranger yeah as in regular uh, regular weather weather for London. That's fair, though. Yeah. Um, she was also sitting on a box of liver pills. She was inside of a boot. <laughs> inside of a boot, which is like pathetic on top of pathetic on top of pathetic. Yeah, it's just an <laughs> added layer. She needed her own violin. We get yeah. sad violin later, but she needed her own. 
<laughs> we do. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, they do make their way to our version of Baker. Well, it is actually Baker Street. Yeah. It's just mm, a tiny little mouse apartment on Baker Street. Still primo real estate, though. Yeah. Pre- presumably, this is like the same universe as the rescuers, right? I'm assuming so. It seems to operate in the same rules in that there's just a miniature mouse society about. Not only is there a miniature mouse society, I I made this note later on, um, it's just miniature mouse versions of the people who live in the same building. Is it all of them? I noticed this. uh, I mean, it's true with Watson and and Basil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Dawson. Whoops. (laughs) Yeah, but that's what I noticed. So I was like, oh, so they're just like mini mouse versions. (laughs) Well, it's like the um the rescuers where they all were Minnie Mouse versions of the UN. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> the mice still dress exactly like the humans that live there. Mouse clones. Maybe these are I mouse need, clones. I need to know more about that. So does that mean that there's a mouse Jack the Ripper? Oh, I hope not. That would be really weird. Ooh, maybe it would be a rat. Maybe, because we do find out that they exist in the same universe, but, like, he seems to be the only one. I'm, we're getting a, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're getting ahead <laughs> Well, they get into the apartment. Um, Basil's not home yet, but Mrs. What's her? Oh, God. What was her name? I had it in front of me, and then I scrolled away because I was Mrs. like, no. Johnson. Johnson? Judson. Judson. <laughs> Mrs. Judson says, I'll get you some of my fresh cheese crumpets, and I really want either cheese crumpets or brazilian cheese bread oh that would be so delicious you know and now i'm upset that i don't have any but um they don't have to wait long luckily because basil just kicks open the door in one of the strangest costumes i've ever seen yeah um one of the racist costumes we've also seen (laughs) exactly what is it uh, he's supposed to be a Chinese man. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. But I will also say it could have been almost anything because it was just this really strange mishmash of what. But yeah, that it had the very long Chinese pencil must- m- mustache. Yeah, he was supposed to be masquerading as, a, oh, yeah. as an uh, Asian man. Um I've definitely seen many a photograph of grandparents and grandparents' friends dressed like this for fancy dress costume parties. Excellent. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Very excited about that. But yeah, he just bursts in there. Presumably he was undercover for something. What? I don't know. Maybe an opium den. Entirely possible, but he... And it is possible based on the behavior he just has because he just runs in yelling and... Does one of those Sherlock deductions on Dawson and shoots a bunch of pillows. Yes. You could be you could be on a lot of drugs to do that. Yeah. Um and I did make a note. Who is the tiny mouse god of war who's making all of these mouse bullets? What an excellent question. So many is there questions. a miniature bullet factory under like an ammo factory where they just do the same thing where they have tiny clothes but now they just take like droplets and make them into i'm gonna ask too many questions before i give myself a headache i think the answer is we're too sober to discuss these questions that's fair enough oh uh i also want to know why basil answers to strangers in his own house 
because he's running around in his costume and kind of blundering around and dawson is like see here who the hell are you and instead of being like who are you basil's like oh i'm so sorry i'm basil (laughs) like these are strangers in your house and you're like let me answer to you number one and uh number two here's where we get our first elementary my dear dawson i should have kept track but there's at least three i do love that i do love that um and of course, this is where I first had to draw <laughs> him as well. It's elementary. I'm about, I'm about to, to shoot, shoot you. you. Yeah. yeah, he instead of doing what he ends up doing, which is shooting the pillows in a chair, he initially piles them directly into Dawson's stomach. Yeah. Like, that'll do. Oh, I I do enjoy Sherlock shit like this. Me too. Were you, were you a fan of the um, Benedict Cumberpatch Sherlock's? I watched the first season and i liked it i think that i kind of fell out of favor with it sometime in season two Mm -hmm. um but i did enjoy the first season that's fair i enjoyed them Mm -hmm. but i think i mostly enjoyed when they were uh doing ridiculous sherlock shit so yeah i love basil because of that (laughs) yeah he's just all antics like he takes this uh bullet and is comparing it. And I don't know anything about guns, but he finds out that the markings don't line up. For those of us forensic files people, <laughs> we know that means that it's not a match. But the reason it didn't match is because the test bullet that he had has like a 45 degree angle marking on it. I don't think that a bear that a that a bullet can kind of come out of the muzzle of a gun like that, like and make a marking like that. I feel like they all have to be straight lines. Yeah, I wasn't. We don't really fully understand why he's doing this forensics. Um, no, the gun doesn't come back into play. There's no checkoff whatsoever with this gun. I I think that it was supposed to be a mark on the bullet itself. Like whoever had fired the bullet made a mark on it. So no, I don't think that it, it is. I think it was just like trying to match the gun because that's often what happens in forensic in like in a forensic testing. You, you know, you shoot the gun that you think might have been the gun that committed the weapon, you collect the bullet and compare the um markings on it to the bullet in question. If it matches, that is the gun that the bullet came from. But considering that again, the physics of a bullet comes straight out, one of the markings on his test bullet was at an angle. I don't think that it's physically possible for a bullet to come out of a gun in a way that one of the markings would be at that angle. But I think what we uh, might be discovering and what Basil failed to discover is the fact that the animators didn't fully understand how guns work when they animated it. It's true. But what they do understand is dramatics. And I love Basil's level of drama. It matches mine because he immediately turns into a puddle of self-pity and starts playing himself a little tune on the violin he literally plays his sad violin and Uh has the sappiest facial expressions the most amazing facial expressions and again this is just pure camp that we're dealing with here exactly like his whole face melts about three inches yeah (laughs) and this is when they're uh explaining uh all about the sob story right <laughs> yes olivia is finally like okay this crazy person has stopped running around and screaming i can talk to him now so she finally goes over and is like will you listen to me my dad's gone and you need to help yeah he was taken by a batman just yes some type of non-vigilante 
Yes, because he he says, I have no time for lost parents. And she says, lost father. She goes, I didn't lose him. He was taken by a bat. And suddenly Basil's back in the game. Suddenly it's fascinating. <clears throat> yes. He wants to know if the bat had a crippled wing, to which Olivia has no idea because she was hiding in a cupboard. But she did know, based on the tap, tap, tap going on, that he had a peg leg. <gasps> and there's only one bat that could have a peg leg. <clears throat> yes, his name is Fidget, Basil tells us. And he is in the employ of the evil Professor Rattigan. Oh, you don't mean Moriarty? <laughs> I'm sorry, R- R- Rattigan's a better name. I do really like, like, Rattigan as an evil <laughs> name. It's so it's much great. better. Yeah. You, and I, Vincent Price. Oh my gosh. It's, he is, it, this is one of his last roles and it is also one of his favorites and I can absolutely see why. Yes. Like the first thing he says is like, what an Ninjinsky may flavish him. I love it. I love it so much. I wish that Vincent Price had been the one to do the Nutty Professor where every role was played by Vincent Price. Hmm. Fair enough. He is <laughs> he is so good in this role though. Just just perfect. He really is. Vincent Price can chew the scenery uh with his giant rat teeth anytime. Yes. He <laughs> I also am really impressed by even though this is a very jolty, bouncy um machine, that I'm I think the implication is it's been like twenty-four hours. Because Dawson starts, he's the narrator of the story, and he says that they basically met Basil the eve of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. So this is the day before her um, Jubilee when the kidnapping happens. And sometime either in the next 10 hours or like 24 hours, he has a working robotic full-size, not-quite-dressed prototype. Yeah, so we've... um, So we had Basil explaining that Radigan is like his uh big evil um what's the word arch nemesis and yes. that's when we move into see radigan with yeah, i uh, like this transition by the way yeah that was such a fun transition it shows us by a portrait by the way on basil's mantle which i think is hilarious that he just has a portrait of him there yeah. and then we kind of zoom in on the portrait and that's when we see him giving that evil smile <laughs> To Flavisham. To Flavisham, who is, like you said, made a contraption, which is going to turn into a queen pretty quickly. Yes, it's going to turn into a queen super quickly. Again, it's been like 20... It's been less than 24 hours and this thing is... Like, they've already done all of this shit. Yeah. And I don't remember when Radigan says this line, but I also had to, to write it down that I love when he says, I love it when I'm nasty. Yeah, I think that's like the very end of this scene. Yeah. I think it, it's somewhere in this scene. Ooh, I love him when I'm nasty. He's so... <laughs> Everything he says in this is so good. Oh, I... Uh, uh, no, I want to get that later. Um, <laughs> I wrote down, is this where the villains started getting the best songs? I think so. I think we're discovering that. Yeah, because we get into um, his solo, his first solo, which is the world. Well, it's not really exactly a solo. It is a solo. The world's greatest criminal mind. 
Yes. And we and we also get to see more of his lair, which is the most evil pink Barbie lair. I love it. There's a there's a champagne fountain. There is a hanging chandelier. You cannot tell me that this wasn't gay as fuck. I wrote down somewhere. That's what I was saying. I was going to get to later um, after we see them interact. But I wrote down that Basil and Radigan either used to date. Yeah. Or they both got rejected at the same time by the same girl after competing for her for a long time. I don't know. I don't know. Radigan doesn't give me um, big competing for a woman's heart. No, I just wrote down the two scenarios I had. It was either (laughs) a mutually thwarted love that like they, they were so animus towards each other through the entire rivalry that even when it was over continued or they used to date just didn't fucking work out definitely they used to date didn't work out maybe because they were scheming against each other every chance they got i have no idea (laughs) but yeah i love this song so much it's so good this is this is also where we get like the proto gaston like this is gaston's song kind of we also see um alice in wonderland's bill the lizard Mm mm-hmm the only like not rodent in the group i think oh and the bat ah yes oh <laughs> this song the one of the choruses sung by the henchmen has one of my favorite lines in it because it says um worse than the widows and orphans you drowned were those humans were they uh, didn't specify Did you, were they cockroaches <laughs> didn't specify specify <laughs> Just, just said, uh, worse than, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's, amazing. it's, uh, yes. Cause the chorus is like even meaner. You mean it worse than the widows and orphans you drown. Um, and in the middle of the song, we also get an on-screen murder. We do get an on-screen murder where he literally just feeds one of his henchmen who dared to call him a rat literally uh, a rat yes how dare you he feeds him to felicia felicia the the chonkiest she is a heckin chonker it's such a chonky cat yes. she is well fed a very well fed kitten but, oh i can't get past the fact that this is definitely just the same song as gaston's like, it's the same it's kind of concept bit. where it's, like, bringing up toxic masculinity <laughs> from other men who look up to this horrible big man. Yeah, but this one's more of an absolute joke because it's, <laughs> I mean, there you find we find out in the second half of the song that they are thoroughly intimidated into behaving because he basically is like, as you were singing... And then shows them the bell to summon Felicia. And then they're like, ah, here we are. Yeah, it's like, if uh, you didn't know that The Great Mouse Detective came out before Beauty and the Beast, you would have thought that this was a parody of the Gaston You song. actually genuinely might. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good song, though. But yeah, on-screen murder. On-screen murder. On-screen mouse murder. It's fine. And one of the other uh, lines that I love in this song is, you're more evil than even you. (laughs) Yes. I can't deny that. Right. (laughs) What? 
yeah, and then we we, we somehow we, transition back, don't we? Yeah, to the apartment. Well, it's because we initially zoned in on the portrait, and then we we zoom out of we zoom back to the portrait. Yeah, <laughs> Basil was like, ah, I I hear that Radigan has had his musical number. Now back to me and my tiny violin. Yeah, you're like, I've been trying to catch it forever and it's not working. And then Olivia screams because Fidget was in the window. <laughs> yeah. They run outside and find his hat and the weirdest mud tracks ever. Because normally if you track mud with like your shoe, it's just a little bit of the imprints. But it kind of looks like Fidget specifically took mud patties and put them in his path and just stepped in them to leave a trail. <laughs> I've been noticing that about uh, mud tracks in Disney films. They look less like people are tracking in mud and more like people are dropping mud as they walk. And stepping in it. Yeah. To <laughs> like, make like perfectly preserved molds. Like it, they're 3D cast molds that you can see like raised off the sidewalk because it's a pile of mud he stepped in. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> and his and his, uh, and his hat. And his hat. That's very important. Yeah, dude. They now we see, I think for the first time, like we actually hear that the shadow cameos in the apartment upstairs are um Sherlock Holmes and um Watson, John Watson. Mm-hmm. And we find this out because the mouse crew is on a mouse capade to borrow Holmes's dog. Toby. Toby the good boy. Toby with the best ears. The best ears, and also I like how he has a serious personality. Like when Basil's explaining who they're tracking he's like broken leg toby's like huh he goes oh he's a peg leg he's a peg leg bat with a broken wing and then toby just right back to growling they again the comedy works in this yeah it really does it feels like um sometimes it feels like we are watching a movie that uh like an eight-year-old is making themselves with their own like little toys and their dog and kind of bringing it in and like this is my version of Sherlock Holmes uh which kind of makes it great <laughs> yeah but it's really well done like the yeah it holds up it works yeah um and Toby and is a great sleuth he's a good he boy he is he he smells Fidget's hat and then lets them all ride him to a toy store mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, and also, it's really easy that Basil knows exactly what he's looking for and could give the perfect description. Yeah, it's helpful that this is a villain that he's fought before. Yeah. It's like Monster Hunter when you see a monster you've seen before. It's not a question mark. He's like, no, 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 no. I got this. I've done it. I have the volume in my head. Got it. Yeah, exactly. This is longtime nemesis. He knows. Yeah. Um. So they arrive at the toy store. And I'm not going to go through the whole, like, how they get into the toy store, but they do... They they get they get into the toy store and this is where they discover some of the clues. And one of the things is they notice that a bunch of wooden toy soldiers have had their uniforms removed. Mm-hmm. I think that's really weird because that's the kind of toy where y- the uniform would be painted on. They wouldn't have a fully removable uniform for a unibody toy soldier. Yeah, the toy soldiers that they definitely show are like these wooden toy soldiers that are basically akin to nutcrackers. Like you would yes. you would think that they would be like nutcrackers where they have their paint their outfits drawn on. Yeah. I I did find that to be quite convenient. Yeah. Full <laughs> uniforms, the- jackets, yeah. pants, boots, fully removable, and a bayonet. 
Yeah. Nothing's glued down. Yeah. No, no, none of it's all unibodied or painted. No, no, no. It's all someone lovingly handmade this all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's identical to whatever the mouse version of the queen, Queen Victoria, where like her Uniform guard wears standard. Too. Yeah. They notice that, and he also notices, this is a human-sized toy shop, by the way, that all the, a bunch of clockwork-style toys have had the gears removed, the gears and moving parts from the centers. You think that, you think that has anything to do with that creepy fucking animatronic from earlier? No. No. I mean, I think that this is just um, an unfortunate happenstance where, uh, we're just dealing with like steampunk Sherlock Holmes, mouse Sherlock Holmes crossing the timelines. Um, and it's not going to matter at all. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I also would like to point out that uh, Basil has been spending the past five minutes informing everyone that it's really important that they stay quiet. And the first thing Olivia does is turn on a toy band. Yeah, I so I didn't take a lot of notes during the time in the toy shop this is actually part of the movie that i didn't like (laughs) no it is it is one of the least boring scenes but there's a couple pseudo relevant plot points in it yeah but but yeah i picked up my notes again when uh olivia decided to play a very loud toy intentionally for that reason because i was like why yeah why are you dumb (laughs) i wrote down children suck and so do uh, musical toys yeah they really do I also like that, excuse me, later on her to- a toy is her downfall because she sees like a baby cradle toy and decides she has to lift the blanket and that's her fit. Also, I like how Fidget was like, this is how I'll get her. I'll pretend to be a baby doll in a cradle because this idiot child will come over and check on it. There's a lot of like, for my plan to work, it all has to go exactly this way. Step yeah. A has to happen. Step Step E has to happen. She has to be interested in baby dolls. Come over to me. Like, what? Well, it works. It does work because he manages to kidnap her, and they embark on a fascinating caper of peril in a toy shop. I wrote down that I actually like the concept of the mice being in trouble in a toy shop because it makes all the quote unquote violence kind of comedic, like. They're getting hit by marbles and riding on toy horses. and Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun yeah. chase sequence. I just didn't have much to comment on because I was no, just enjoying either. it. Yes, exactly. It's it's yeah. a good time. And at the end of it, you know, Dawson's feeling bad about losing Olivia. So Basil's like, it's okay. We'll, we'll find her. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You have an entire movie to get the girl and her father back. Exactly. Well, you have like 40 minutes to get them back but you'll be fine you'll be fine i don't know because so cut back to the toy maker who is making his thing and he's like i'm not gonna do it anymore but radigan brings in olivia and and is like i think you'll kind of do what we say now because we have your kid and then they put her in a bottle with a cork and i would love to know if she can breathe in there because i don't think she can i mean she's a tiny mouse so i wouldn't be surprised like there's there's probably enough oxygen for this this tiny little baby mouse but i suppose that's fair before we move to that scene there was one quote from basil that i think is uh a good quote and i'm surprised isn't on more things um there's always a chance doctor as long as one can think like it should be across like a motivational poster or something 
That might be why no one has it on anything. Nobody wants motivational posters. Ouch. I don't want a motivational poster. I mean, I don't either, but that doesn't mean that I haven't seen Live, Laugh, Love plastered across all types of bullshit. I mean, same, but I think that's dumb. <laughs> but yeah, they um, they go back to uh, we put Olivia in a big old glass bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess she can breathe enough. Although she does make it seem like she's well, they use her uh, to make it seem like she's dead in there. Later on. But first, yeah. they go undercover at the rat trap. Yeah. I think it's finally time for us to um, see the dirty underbelly of the rat Victorian age. Yes, so they they go to what's supposed to be a seedy port bar for mouses. Yeah, for all the semen. <laughs> yes. And when they get in, there is, I believe, an octopus juggling on stage. Yeah, the octopus. Um, so, so okay, this is like a very traditional, uh, gross pub that's full of smoke a lot of uh really gnarly looking mice and other small creatures Mm -hmm. and then we have like this bright ass super colorful super saturated and smiling octopus on stage dancing all of his little legs off having a grand time like he wanted to be there it was very confusing but he was also kind of forced to be there yeah, he does end up getting a bunch of shit thrown at him real fucking soon. Yeah, and we get, I, I really did enjoy uh, Basil and Dawson dressed in their uh, undercover semen garb. Yes, me too. Yeah, Basil uh, has a little ba- mustache. He does, and Dawson looks profoundly uncomfortable. It's hilarious. It's wonderful. <clears throat> But after the octopus has finished his act, um, all of the mice are screaming because they need a beautiful woman mouse to come out. We need a sexy female mouse in this movie, guys. Yeah, because they're really, really, really just upset about the lack of estrogen. Yeah. So good thing we get a burlesque mouse. We do. We get the burlesque mouse. Yes who uh definitely calms the crowd real quick Fievel didn't have burlesque mice no i don't imagine that it did i i mean i don't okay original Fievel didn't mm-hmm. Fievel goes west i think did maybe but yeah we get we get a sexy lady mouse to um make all the young kids watching this movie question things we also get um dawson getting drugged yeah they get roofied well he does yeah that's because basil like could tell that their drinks were altered Um, exactly he was like hey don't drink this oh too late you drank it which (laughs) did they just get roofied because they knew who they were or because they knew that they were out of place i was a little confused that's that's one of the super confusing parts is that you know basil's like oh hey 
by the way, we just got into town to the barmaid. It's like, could you tell us where our friend Radigan is? And she freaks out, whispers to the bartender, and they drug the both their drinks. Yeah. I don't quite understand that, but oh well, roofing is bad, so I guess Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about we all just agree not to do that? Um and then we get into a pub fight. Yep. Big pub fight that serves as a very convenient distraction for uh Basil to shake Dawson back to sobriety and yeah. make their escape. Yeah, because during this whole time they had seen Fidget um wander into the pub, get all googly eyed for the sexy mouse lady and mm. then sing her little song as he is leaving to go back into the sewer to get back to Radigan. So they know that they can follow him. Yes. Now I will say this is the song that I was going to recommend to you. Oh, let me be good to you. Let me be good to you. Here we go. <clears throat> let me be good you apparently this uh mouse's name is miss kitty it's all of this does not <laughs> seem like the type of stuff that should be in a kids movie no <laughs> so it's great <clears throat> i'm just gonna do the first verse on the chorus yeah because she starts off very delicate dearest friends dear gentlemen listen to my song life down here has been hard for you Life has made you strong. Let me lift the moon with my attitude. Hey, fellas, the time is right. Get ready. Tonight's the night. Boys, what you're hoping for will come true. Let me be good to you. You tough guys, you're feeling all You rough guys, the best of you sailors and bums. All of my chums, so dream on and drink your beer. Get cozy, your baby's here. You won't be misunderstood. Let me be good to you. Hey. And then it turns into a striptease. And then stripping. Stripping. Then the stripping begins. (laughs) And she literally takes off all her blues. Yeah. (laughs) But then they all run away. After this bar fight breaks out. Yeah, they do. And and yeah, we get... Um, Back to the bottle. We get a little bit of a sewer. A sewer chase. Kind of. Mostly it's... they just escape via the sewer and make their way to um, Radigan's headquarters. Yeah, but they're purposely following Fidget. And they're also talking about being That's... quiet. Oh yeah, I forgot about Fidget. <laughs> yeah, which surely... Fidget can hear them really well inside an echo chamber, such as a sewer pipe. Surely. You'd think so, but I think we now learn that this is all a setup, because he leads them through the sewers back to the hideout, and we see the bottle that Olivia's in. 
So, you know, Basil tries to pull the cork out and Dawson goes and rap, rap, raps on the glass to try to wake her up. And it's like, Olivia, are you in there? And Fidget turns around and blows him a kiss. Yeah. Um, Shirley could not could not be a trap. No, but um, I do like how after this, Basil and Radigan have a little bit of a back and forth that lasts about 30 seconds, but then Radigan basically shames Basil into paralysis. Well, Basil also says an absolutely fabulous line, which is, Radigan, no one can have a higher opinion of you than I have. And I think you're a slimy, contemptible sewer rat. Yes. And for once, Radigan does not totally freak out being called a rat. He actually manages to keep it, keep it together. Keep it cute. Keep it, <laughs> keep it Todd. <laughs> Excuse me. But they capture um, Basil and his crew. They take uh, Flavisham and Olivia and they tie Dawson and basil to a piece of wood under a crazy rube goldberg machine that is going to be triggered by a record that radigan wrote and had fully orchestrated a company written for i love a maximalist villain oh me too i'm i'm into this and this is you're describing it as a rube goldberg machine which is factually accurate you could also describe it as a mousetrap like, do you remember the board game Mousetrap? <laughs> the way that it is set up is so much like that game. That game was so dumb. And not only is it set up like that Mousetrap game, it is as effective in the end. At it catching is. The mouse. <laughs> well, because, you know, uh, the song is playing Fidget and, and Radigan and their captives fly away on their dirigible. And Basil is still waxing on about how, oh, I've been outsmarted. Everything is terrible. Uh, Oh, no, they don't have Olivia. They left Olivia in the bottle. They left Olivia in the bottle. But, uh, but, yeah, (laughs) Basil is just completely feeling sorry for himself. Dawson is like, you need to help us. Like, we need to figure out a way to get out of here. We're going Mm -hmm. to die. No, it's hopeless. I can't. And I was sitting here going... How long is this song? Is this the in the Gata Davida of death songs? Because he's moping for a minute. That's got to be a full three and a half ish minute song. But I think Radigan went like 18 minutes. I... Oh, probably. <laughs> but however long it is, Basil mopes the entire time until Dawson just gets pissed off with how much he's moping. And he goes, why don't we just set the thing off now? Yeah. Just be done with it. Basically, put me out of my misery. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Basil does what I always love, which is when you get that mad cackle out of somebody. And in Dawson's case, I would be rightly concerned because it's kind of like, this is either going to be way more painful than Radigan intended, or we're going to survive. And surprise, surprise, they do they survive. survive. After amazing hijinks that not only free Basil and Dawson, but also Olivia... Basil grabs everyone, knows that the camera is going to take a quick photo. So, oh, quick because Radigan told them that was going to happen. Because he told them it was going to happen. Basil quick changes into his full on Sherlock costume because branding is important and they smile for the camera. Well, he smiles for the camera, and Dawson and Olivia both look absolutely rocked. 
This is fair. That one out of the uh, three people that was involved in this stunt knew it was going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, they uh, make it to the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, where hijinks are afoot. Yeah. So Radigan has already made it to the Queen. He has uh, already managed to infiltrate and take this. I think that their version of the mouse, the mouse version of Queen Victoria was about the same height mm-hmm. as real Queen Victoria. Very um, possible. Very possible. They just swap her out <laughs> for this robotic one. Yeah, very quickly, might I add. And then Fidget is tasked with taking her and feeding her to Felicia the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Which Felicia likes to take her real sweet time. Well, she's waiting for Fidget. It's Fidget who's taking forever. Mm, that's fair. But the good news is that gives them time to go down and have the Queen's speech. Yeah, so they have the Queen's Jubilee. And she she comes out and is basically like, Hey, do you know who's better than the Queen? Rat Radigan. Come on out here, Radigan, my best friend in the world. Yes. Uh, and Radigan comes out in the last 15 minutes of the movie looking absolute royalty, eleganza, extravaganza, and serving the fuck out of it. Except for one little kid in the front row doesn't think so and just blows in the huge raspberry. That's fair. We can't that, all that have That kid, that, yeah. <laughs> he can be wrong. Uh, here is also where you see Toby's ear stares because he came back to pick up uh, Basil and the crew and bring them to the palace. And once the urgency was conveyed that the queen was in danger, he turned his ears into stairs they could all run up. That is a talent. Mm-hmm. I don't know any dog that can turn their ears into stairs intentionally. Me neither. But then we cut back to the um, throne room where Radigan is going on and on and on about all the changes he's going to make, including attacks on... Old people, sick people, and little children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, I guess I don't totally disagree with his viewpoints, but I do disagree with many of his viewpoints. Yes, I'm yeah. with you on that. Um, here's where his plan starts to fall apart, because the animatronic stops working for a second, and when he gets it to work... Um... It turns on him. Yeah. suddenly science has gone too far the ai has gained sentience yes and it starts talking back instead of being like oh my god you're amazing it's like you are awful and this time when basil bursts through the curtains because we find out he's taken the controls he bursts through the curtains and calls radigan a sewer and radigan freaks the fuck out so, do you think that Radigan saw a rat king when he was younger and was like, I will never be like them? Maybe. Like, that just, that would, I mean, that would freak anybody out. Um, and he's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that filth because he's a very clean rat. Yes, very. Yeah. That's why, that's what I'm assuming is like the root cause as to why he freaks out about being called a rat. I mean, I'm sure on the surface it's more like, oh, a rat is, you know, ooh, you don't want to be a negative thing. Like, 
I just don't get it. He's very, very negative about being his own species. But yeah, this is what prompts a, um, what the fuck is it called? A palace room wide brawl. Everyone starts fighting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is what kicks off the climax of the movie. Uh, and we get the spirit of England um, basically taking on Radigan. <laughs> yes, they all kind of attack him and his henchmen. Um, but Fidget is thinking ahead of uh, ahead, and he has got Olivia, whose underwear they keep showing in this movie. Yeah, it was a unnecessarily. Little weird. Yeah. Agree, but. This is where he's able to uh, almost feed Olivia to the cat until the cat decides to have a little back snack. Uh, yes, but she can't quite have a bat snack because Toby appears and chases the cat away. Yeah, that's it. Yes, and then Radigan goes to join Fidget because Fidget's like, hey, I have I have the girl, and they take off in the dirigible again. Yeah, and then this is where we get... um. A fun scene change where <laughs> we're doing a little bit of fighting in the sky. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, Basil and Co. catch up by using a matchbox, a Union Jack, and helium balloons. Yeah, okay. That's why I was saying the spirit of England. That's that's <laughs> what my note meant. Because um, that's what I'm just flying with that Union Jack. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It's amazing that that had as much power as the dirigible to get that high up in the air. Yeah, they almost capture Olivia, who, by the way, has no fear. She is just yanking on Radigan's tail and yelling at him. (laughs) How dare she grab his little rat tail? How dare she? But surprisingly, it's not her who ends up getting thrown overboard. It's Fidget. (laughs) Yeah, because Fidget says, oh, we need to lighten the load. Yep, never say that to somebody who's in the middle of a, a mental breakdown in the middle of the sky. Yeah, um, also, you're the one with wings, so you're going to be the one that's going to get thrown overboard. Yes, but that's because his wing is broken. Yeah. I don't think Radigan thought about that or cared. <laughs> At least yeah. not in that moment. <laughs> but this is where this is where we get a lot of... Um, fun fighting and i'm forgetting what happens but the dirigible ends up crashing into i don't yeah i don't remember exactly how it happens like they're trying to get olivia from radigan and then everyone kind of like loses control um and then they crash into into big ben big ben so this is how we end up with this very very memorable clock scene yeah and from what I recall, the way that this was animated is uh, the gears inside the clock were created a CGI wireframe. Mm-hmm. And then they printed that out and they traced them onto animation cells where they added the rest of the artwork and the characters and things like that. Which is not not exactly the most efficient, <laughs> but, you know. This is the 80s. We're still playing around here. But I think it actually looks pretty good. Like, you can definitely see where there's a little bit of gaps. But honestly, I think it holds up really well and still looks good. 
I think so too. I actually think that this is a pretty terrifying scene, uh, yeah. especially with the lighting and when Radigan gets into his true. Yes. Yeah. I wrote down that the clock scene is so memorable. And one of the other notes I made is because this is where Radigan becomes really animalistic and they do a really good job of showing the transition from, you know, being quadruplate, um, being up on, you know, his quads and mm -hmm. walking around on just the back feet to that full hunched over, very different stride than mice which is that you know very hunched over rat style thing yeah he looks more like uh like a werewolf yes. running through yeah uh and they tussle boy do they, they do tussle. pretty violently radigan almost kills basil on the um clock hands of big ben yeah because they get outside they actually get outside onto big ben so they are yeah. they make it seem like big ben is like nine million miles above earth like <laughs> it's very high up she's also uh, they're also mices yeah that's what i mean like they did a really good job with the perspective of it and yeah. making it this horrifying um cliff face where we are absolutely going to get a disney death yes um basil falls off first but manages to grab the dirigible which is what crashed into the glass to begin with yeah and he uh we think that we get a hero sacrifice for about a second. But then Basil yes. makes his way up and it looks like he's basically he's he's riding uh what it looks like a whisk. <laughs> yes. Um he's holding on to that portion and then the clock strikes the hour and the mm -hmm. intense vibrations are what shake Radigan to his death. But before we totally move on from this, the um Part of the inspiration for the Big Ben sequence comes from the Miyazaki film, The Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of fun because it's a very uh, full circle moment since uh, Miyazaki was inspired by Disney, wanted to be the Japanese Disney. Um, and now we're getting Disney inspired by Miyazaki. I also um, I don't hear that. Um... The team was sent to London to get video reference and they were given access to the clockwork um, inside so they could take photos. But because the bell would chime at every quarter hour, the team completed the research in one hour. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being inside that bong, bong, yes. <laughs> like, okay, I can't, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, you know that even like the headphones are not that good either to protect their ears from any loud clock noises yeah um so vincent price falls to his death and on his way down he grabs basil and that's where we think basil's dead but then as galley says we see him pedaling for his frantic little life he whisks um, his way to freedom whisks his way to freedom and they finally get him up onto the matchbox yeah and then we cut to newspapers uh where there was a newspaper article title that said time runs out for radigan so <laughs> presumably he is dead he fell, as you said, 9,000 feet. He fell forever. Uh, we also, so so one running joke that we didn't talk about um, is Basil never says Olivia's last name correctly. No. It's never Flavers Flaversham or whatever it is. Flavisham. Yeah, Flaversham. Uh, and he ends it with Flanger Hanger. Yes, <laughs> and... I I am very familiar with that. People just getting your name wrong constantly. That happens to me a lot. Yeah. In this case, it's cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a little on the affectionate side. Yeah. 
um this is basically where it ends yeah yeah everything works out well uh basil Mm -hmm. dawson are basically going to now become a team um uh olivia and her dad get to go home yeah and then the toby's a good boy and the movie ends with that lady the next client telling basil and dawson about uh about her perils and what she needs yeah we get a a neat little uh noir ending film noir ending where the damsel in distress oh hey hey and is like help me i have a mystery and it's horrible and i need your help and only you because you're famous now yep and then uh scene yay it wrapped up well i do too I'm wondering if we're, we currently we're running on time for it, but I'm wondering if we can keep this episode below the runtime of the movie. Ooh. Well, we got 10 minutes. <clears throat> okay. I bet we can because we're reaching the climax right now of our episode. Yeah. So Gally, do you, do I normally ask these questions or do you? I'm going I'm to do it. Did you like this movie and do you recommend it? Yes, I do. And yes, I do. Watch this movie now um, or go jump off Big Ben. <laughs> Strong what? stances here coming from the great mass detective community. But I'm with, I'm with I love this movie. It's so much fun. I think it's great for all ages. I remember watching it when it's little and really liking it. So definitely watch it. Holds up for adults. If you've never seen it before, where have you been this entire time? Have you been living in a tiny mouse sized apartment underneath a rock? I hope not. I hope not too. Also, long live Vincent Price. Long live Vincent Price. What are we up to next week, LA again? You told us, but let's let's get into it a little bit more. So next week, uh, we have more animals and we're going to be moving from the eighteen nineties to the nineteen eighties with the incredibly, incredibly late eighties movie, Oliver and Company. <laughs> you have thoughts <laughs> it's no i just said it's so 80s out loud it's just it's so visibly 80s but yeah that's what we're doing doing next week so uh, any any last thoughts before we wrap up for the week um i was going to re-say radigans oh yeah i love it when i'm nasty <laughs> i also love it when you're nasty but i think i should probably go because i hear a mild scuffle and i need to make sure that leto is an eavesdropping on another mouse conversation Oh, that's very important. Don't, yeah. don't let Leto eat your mouse selves. Not just that. I just don't want him to go off on another adventure because I just won't see him for a bit. Well, that's well, disappointing, you know? I guess in that case, so long, Glamour Boys. So long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word on Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long glamour boys. So long glamour boys. (laughs) 